Well, good morning, Spanish River Church. Scotty Smith here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I had so hoped I could have been with you this morning live, but Providence secured a different plan. But I am grateful for good technology. And I'm even more grateful for what this day represents. In the history, the ongoing unfolding story of the gospel in Spanish River Church, but also its implications for me personally. And you'll understand that in a moment. I want to begin this morning by reading our text of the day from the book of Colossians. I'm reading from old NIV 84. I've been carrying this Bible ever since it first came out many, many decades ago. And I love this translation, and I love this particular translation of Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. This reflection this morning, by the way, is on the the greatness and the growth of the gospel, the word of God for all of us. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus And of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is producing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you Since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this place. Thank you for this process that Spanish River Church has been in before you, Lord, humbly longing, praying for the confirmation of a calling of a new shepherd of the lambs of Jesus for this season moving forward. Praise you, Father, for the incredible legacy of Spanish River Church. I thank you for the present of Spanish River Church. And I praise you you for the glorious future of your entire gathered church in the new heaven and new earth. Oh, Father, how we long for that day when the bride of Jesus from every single race, tribe, tongue, and people group will gather, perfected, glorified, living and loving to the glory of our triune God forever and ever and ever. Hasten that day, Father, we pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, I'm titling this reflection really just the the greatness and the growth of the gospel. And let me go ahead and tell you what I'm going to tell you. There are four affirmations I want to make within these uh, 24 minutes or so that flow naturally through the text. First of all, we do want to consider the legacy of the gospel at Spanish River. Secondly, the greatness of the gospel. Third, the growth of the gospel. Lastly, servants of the gospel. Let's look back at each of these verses. This is incredible. Beginning at verse 3, chapter 1, Colossians. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love 
for all of God's people, all the saints. Well, that immediately connects me with the legacy of your incredible community. I don't know the first time I ever met Dave Nicholas, but I do know this. I remember it as his extending that big hand to me, welcoming me. It could have been the year I preached at Coral Ridge for the PCA General Assembly. I don't really remember, but I will never forget Dave. I'll never forget um, his enthusiasm, his love for sharing the gospel. And I'm so thankful for the fact that even many of my peers that I went to Westminster Seminary with in the mid-70s ended up interning here at Spanish River. So the, the hearing, the knowing, the personal touch I have had in your community of faith, this amazing story of over 500 churches being planted, that may be a low-end number now, but planted through that sense of vision you have for what does it mean to be the people of God? What does it mean to live in God's story to God's glory? You are a missional church. You always have been. Incredible that Dave was here 42 years. I only made it to 26 years as the founding pastor of Christ Community Church. But I am thankful for what I have heard and seen. Even as Paul had never been into the Lycus Valley where the believers of Colossae gathered. He knew, he heard, and he was excited. So I am also for you, my dear brothers and sisters in Jesus. Well, the legacy of the gospel at Spanish River is incredible, but it is the legacy of the gospel, right? No one man, no group of people, but it's the legacy of the gospel. So notice where Paul goes next in this text. Look at verse five. When we want to marinate in the greatness of this gospel. Verse five, he refers to the impact of the gospel, the love and the faith evident in the lives of the men and women in Colossae. But here's what he says, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Uh, there's the mother load word, the gospel. Uh, what is the greatness of this gospel? Well, Paul quickly in this first chapter of Colossians makes it so clear for all of us. The gospel is as great as Jesus is great. The greatness of the gospel, first and foremost, is the greatness of Jesus. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why there, before he even finishes this chapter, Paul tells us about the glory of Jesus. This glorious gospel about Jesus, by Jesus, for Jesus' glory. There in verse 15 of chapter 1, Paul throws down the gauntlet of greatness. Jesus created all things. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus sustains all things by the power of his word. Everything made by him has been made for him. He is the head of the church. He's not simply the Lord of creation. He's the Lord of new creation. And Paul goes on in this incredible statement of reminding us, here's why we affirm there's nothing more than the gospel, just more of the gospel. 
but because the gospel is about Jesus. And forever and ever and ever, we will be discovering more and more and more of the greatness of Jesus. Indeed, the greatness of the gospel is in the person of Jesus himself. But secondly, the greatness of the gospel is also seen in terms of its benefits to us. It would be enough just to see the glory of Jesus. He would be worth proclaiming among the nations of the world if he did not save anyone. But he has committed. He has secured the salvation of his entire bride. And that's why we very personally talk about the greatness of the gospel in terms of its benefits to us. Also in this first chapter, Paul gives us three words talking about the benefits we receive in the greatness of this gospel. I love these words. God has qualified us for the inheritance that comes to us through Jesus. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and placed us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. Qualified rescued, brought into the kingdom of the Son of the Father's love. Oh, the benefits to us are astronomical. They are immeasurable. Later in Colossians 3, I love how Paul further opens up the unsearchable riches of the gospel that we should be always mining and coming back to that we might be ever more generous with everyone that lives in the greater Boca Raton area, even to the ends of the earth. There in Colossians 3, Paul gives us a few more words. He says that we are, we were, we were put to death in Jesus. We'll talk about a mercy killing. We died. We've been raised to newness of life in Christ. Our lives are now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, we will appear with him in glory. Oh my goodness, what a, what a passage there in Colossians 3, 1 through 5, just pregnant with everything that should make us content, grateful, and generous. We have died. When Jesus died, his death was reckoned to be ours. In what sense? In the sense that he took the judgment we deserve. Now we know that before Jesus died, he lived 33 years of a perfect life as the last man, the second Adam. He fulfilled the law for us by his perfect obedience. His death is indeed reckoned to be our death, our sin placed upon him. His righteousness becomes ours. And right now, this very nanosecond, God has hidden our lives in Jesus. We are surrounded, we are enveloped in everything that Jesus is. Talk about a harbor of hope. Talk about a place of security to know that our lives are hidden in Christ. And when he appears, and he is surely coming back a second time, just as surely as he came the first time. As Paul says, he who is our life will come back, we will appear with him in glory. Our past, our present, our future. How great is this gospel? This gospel is everything because Jesus is everything. Creator, sustainer, redeemer, restorer, reigning king, perfect high priest over the whole people of God. The final word, the fulfillment, the yes of every promise God has made. This gospel is glorious. And it is the gospel that defines the history of Christ Community Church where I planted with many friends and where you, some of you, 
Ron Tobias, I think you were around when the ark landed, so you know those days. It was always about the gospel. May it never be less about the gospel or other than the gospel. Takes us to the third of four affirmations. The growth of the gospel. This gospel seen in the magnificence of Jesus, this gospel seen in the riches that we freely received as a qualified people, a rescued people, a people placed into a kingdom, the only unshakable kingdom as servants. We who are hidden in Christ, longing for the fullness of his glory. Where does this take us? Look at verse six, the growth of the gospel. In the same way, Paul writes, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Now that is a bodacious affirmation. And I think we need to always be getting on board with the isness of this verse. Let me read it again. This gospel that has come to you, Paul says, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been and is growing in your midst, says Paul. Now, what is Paul telling us there? Paul is saying that all of history is tied first and foremost to God's commitment to redeem a family for himself, a covenant family from every single people group that have sucked oxygen. He was not exaggerating. God was not exaggerating when he said to Abram, the pagan moon worshiper, come out here and with me and count stars and then sand and then dust. Because Abram, I will make you a father of nations, starting with making you a nation that will be the national womb of the Messiah who will fulfill all of these promises. Stars, sand, and dust. Right now, brothers and sisters in Jesus, there is no doubt doubt about what's going on in the world. The gospel is growing. Capital I, capital S is growing. That is not hype. That is hope. That is God's guarantee. And it's growing in our midst, individually and corporately. Isn't it awesome to know our father will bring to completion the good work he began in you and me. We are already declared righteous in his sight. God cannot love us more than he does right now. He will never love us less because his love is not contingent upon anything other than Christ's righteousness. But he is making us more like Jesus. And one day this gospel will eventuate in the day when we will be as lovely as and as loving as Jesus. First John 3, 1 through 3, the Father guarantees it. And dear ones, as I think about the growth of the gospel, let me tell you, this is the only reason why my precious dear brother and friend, David Cassidy, would even pray about leaving Franklin, Tennessee. People don't leave Franklin, Tennessee. Everybody wants to get there. But it's because David is in a season in his life along with me. He is so much younger than me. I just hit the seven one digit. He is way, he is, he is more than a decade younger than me. But David, like my spiritual father, Jack Miller, 
like the heart that God has put in my breast, longs to live in love missionally. And the reason why David, when he first called me to say, Scott, you got time for a walk or a coffee or something, when he said, I've got a call to pray about. Uh, good friends in Spanish River, that church is pondering their next senior pastor. Am I an idiot to consider it? And, and, and David and I chatted long and hard. We prayed, you know. He said no twice before in God's timing. There was a real sense of release to submit himself, even to the events of this day. Because you are a missional church. David wants to pour himself into another community that is living and loving within this narrative. The day of the ingrown church is over. The day of biding our time. The day of simply thinking we're the point. We all matter, but none of us is the point. Only Jesus is. Very fact that y'all have seen the gospel come to you and run through you. This is why my brother who loves this gospel and is so big and has a loud laugh, but is one of the quickest repenters I know. It's why he is humbled at the opportunity to serve in your midst, because he knows it's a community that has lived this way, that has loved this way, and wants a new season of seeing with the eyes of faith. The entire history of the world is bound to God's commitment to have this gospel run to the nations. David and I often sit together and think about, as we've had these seven years together, living in the same city, of just beginning to allow the aroma of the new heaven and new earth to fill our nostrils and hearts. Men and women, this is an hour of hope. Granted, this past year has been so difficult for so many reasons, but it is a moment of hope for us to refocus, not for us to man up and woman up, but for us to collapse upon Jesus, who is the ruler of the kings of the earth, who is the great, wonderful, merciful high priest that is praying for us, who is the yes, as we've said, to every one of these extraordinary promises that God has made to redeem and to restore. Well, this brings me to the last affirmation in this text. Look at verses seven and eight from from the legacy of the gospel, whether it's in Colossae or Franklin or Boca Raton, to the greatness of this gospel about which there's always more of it because there's always more of Jesus, to the growth of the gospel, knowing that it is a dynamic reality, not a static one. This gospel does, hallelujah, in a beautiful way, come to and run through the servants of the gospel. I love these verses. Verses seven and eight, last part of our text. Paul says to the Colossian believers, you learned it from Epaphras. Now listen to how Paul describes this, his friend. Our dear fellow servant, in the Greek it's better than that, it's beloved. And I love the word beloved, not because I'm a southerner, but because it, it describes who we actually are because the gospel is true. God calls us beloved. God has declared us to be beloved. We are his treasure. Our father loves us as much as he loves Jesus. And there's nothing we can do about it, but believe it, enter into it, and live out its implications outwardly. For, for the whole of Boca, for the, for the ends of the earth. But Epaphras, this dear servant, fellow servant, faithful minister of Christ, 
elsewhere in this letter, Paul describes Epaphras in chapter 4 as someone that wrestled in prayer for the Colossian believers that they would stand firm in the faith. This man loved to pray Epaphras. In the little letter of Philemon, Paul actually lets us know that when he and Epaphras first got together, perhaps just out of friendship or, or providence or accident, Philemon ended up sharing one of the imprisonments with Paul. And so the love relationship between uh, an, an, an older Paul and a younger Epaphras, it's, it's a treasure. We see that model throughout scripture and it brings me to the point to say, this is why this is one of the more difficult sermons for me to preach. Because David, long before he even became my successor at Christ Community Church, was an Epaphras to me. I remember, I don't know if it was 1990, it was somewhere around then, that I get a call from someone I'd never heard of named David Cassidy. I only knew that name through the band, The Partridge Family, and that wasn't my favorite, favorite um, musical group, by the way. David was up in Paducah, Kentucky with his wife, Tony, and you know that story. He heard that in Franklin, Tennessee, something unique was going on in this community called Christ Community Church. And so he said, Scotty, my name's David Cassidy, a pastor in Paducah. Uh, I'd like to buy you a big coffee and, and have a little of your time because I want you to tell me what's going on in Franklin. So rumors of hope in Franklin, Tennessee um, made its way up to Paducah. And, and David came down. That's when I met David. And, and you know, let me tell you, I will never forget that first encounter because David was so excited to hear about what the gospel was doing. He did not ask me one thing about what you're preaching, what are your ministry chops, what techniques are you using. He knew. Because he and Tony met on the mission field when the gospel is in play, there are no limits to what God can do. And quite literally, David was coming into our midst when what started as five couples grew to a church of 4,000 people in seven years. And nobody gets the credit but Jesus. I had so little clue what I was doing. I've been discipled by a couple, Jack and Rosemary Miller, with my wife, who had gone through a great gospel renewal. And it was Jack that said to Tim Keller, go plant that church in New York City. It was Jack who said to me, I think you should plant that church in Franklin. And by the way, the comparison stops there. I'm not putting myself in that same category of giftedness as Tim and humility. But I am saying this, I watched God grow a church through a broken planting pastor and a handful of people that were coming alive to the grace of God, coming alive to the beauty of Jesus. And David heard about that and David came down and that began our friendship. A friendship that you know took him in time to Austin, Texas where he lived and served faithfully where I had the privilege of going down there and watching my dear brother love those Texas longhorns and, and, and really develop even more great chefing skills, which by the way, is one of my favorite gifts of David. But more than anything, his love for the gospel. Well, when the time came for me to transition out of Christ Community Church, if I had handpicked my successor, it would have been David. I was smart enough, however, not to get involved in the process. Simply said to the search committee, I'll respond to anybody you ask me about, but that is between you and God the Trinity. Well, so thankful that David came. And for these last seven years, my Epaphras has been my neighbor. And it is a sad day for me to some extent 
to know that before too long, my brother's not going to be just a walk away, but a few hundred miles away. So there's a sadness. I will own the fact that, you know, I, I, I love having a close by Epaphras. And we will continue in our relationship and friendship through the UK partnership in many different ways. But let me say this, as sad as I might be personally, I am so happy kingdom wise. Brothers and sisters, if indeed God the Spirit confirms today he is to be your next pastor, you're gonna have a a broken man, a humble man, a man whose laughter sounds like the courts of heaven, a man that with you will want to look throughout the immediate area of Boca Raton and say, what would the gospel do here as we humble ourselves, as we pray in the spirit, as we wait expectantly upon the God who raises the dead. And to see David engaging, of course, the nations with you. Brothers and sisters, I am thankful for this day. Conflicted for sure, sad, happy for kingdom advancement. I, above everything, however, I'm glad that it's not so much the legacy of Spanish River or the wonder of my good friend David Cassidy. It is the greatness and growth of this gospel that thrills me the most. May we all rethink this upcoming year and season. What will it mean for us to hoist the sails of our hearts to the winds of God's spirit, to repent, to not care who gets the credit, to, 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 to delight to be the little pebbles and the stream taking down the Goliaths, knowing that all evil, sin, and death have an expiration date because Jesus has triumphed and he is coming back to finish making all things new. Hallelujah, what a savior. Hallelujah, what a salvation in his name. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this incredible text. Lord, my own heart needs to hear every single day the isness of the growth of the gospel throughout the world. Father, things are not as they appear. You are raising the dead. You are showing us that the mathematics of your mercy do not fail. Stars, sand, and dust. So great is your family of every people group. Lord, I pray if, if, if you're going to take David to Boca Raton, if you're going to take him anywhere else, Lord, I thank you that I'm confident my brother will want to grow in gospel astonishment until the day you take him home. Lord, I join my brother, my Epaphras in that journey. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this weekend. Thank you, Lord, for all these things. In the name above all names, the name at which one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you, Jesus, are Lord to the glory of God the Father. In your name we do pray. Amen. Bless you, dear friends. Praying for you. Look forward to seeing you, hopefully face to face. God bless you.